Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Reviews. This week we are talking about four of the week's biggest book releases. We've got X-Men number one. I got to show off. I got to show off real fast. I got to show off both <laughs> covers. I picked up two covers. I, okay. I saw Gene. I saw Professor X and I said, okay, I got to get that one too. But this is the main cover. Uh, we got uh, Skybound X, which we are going to be talking about. Number one. We got Swamp Thing number five, and we got Nice House on the Lake. So we're going to be dealing with all of those books this week. Before we dive into that, I do want to let you guys know the Comics Pals posts a weekly show every single Monday. That is our flagship show where we are talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them. We don't just talk about superhero comics and characters. We talk about all sorts of things, as you can see by the various uh, array of books that we're, we're doing today. Uh, and if you want more reviews from us, you can always check out our image reviews, which drop every single Wednesday for the books that we have access to, to provide you guys with reviews day and date. Uh, and of course, if you want to support the show, hit the follow button, give us a subscription, a like on YouTube. Uh, all those things are free to do and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. And if you want to write into the show, leave us a comment in the comment box below or write to us at the comics at gmail.com. So we're going to start with X-Men number one. This is, of course, uh, by Jerry Duggan, who is, is writing it with Pepe Larraz on art and Marta Gracia on colors. Uh, that is two pieces of the dream team. Uh, the dream team typically would include Jonathan Hickman, but uh, OK. Uh, Clayton Cowles is on letters. Shade. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is what it is, right? Like, you know, we all, we all know what time it is. I'm not shitting on Jerry Duggan. I'm just saying, you know, Jonathan. Um, and Tom Muller, of course, on designs. So one of the big fears with this book, and I think, you know, we all felt it, but I don't think it was unique to us, was that this book would take the X-Men and kind of make, make their stories feel a little bit more um, basic, just basic superhero fare as opposed to what we've been used to, which was just a little bit deeper, deeper, more intricate and involved storytelling. Uh, so I think that based on this first issue, we can say absolutely, yes, this is more of a basic superhero comic book than what we've gotten from the X-Men, so from the X-Men line so far otherwise. But does that make it bad? Does that make it uh, not something that we want? That's really the question here, I think. Who wants? Who's hot out the gate? Uh, this was fun. Um, I think I, I I know that you guys were worried about um, Hickman leaving the book, but Duggan from the stuff that I've read has done a pretty good job at being able to handle a story and be able to communicate um, moments well. And I think that this this is something that uh, stays true in this book. The art, of course, like absolutely amazing. Um, and overall, I, yeah, I dug this. This was like a fun book to sort of like, uh, breeze through. And, and I mean that in like, not that it was like a light read, but it's just, it's well-paced. You can go through it. You get, you get some good moments out of it. And there's a lot of good sequences. Um, I was definitely one of those people that was worried this was going to be more of like a basic story, but this is, uh, this is interesting. And, and I think a lot of that comes from, the the dynamic art um that keeps me like engrossed in a page and duggan does a good job of keeping the beats and making those fun 
Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say I agree with this. I think <clears throat> um, my concern about this, right, was like that that conversation of, you know, of, of this this book being more basic is is was less about like, is that a book we want and more how does that fit in with what's happening right now? Um, how do you explore that in a way that is meaningful for Krakoa? And and I think that this um, is doing a pretty good job for me right now because it definitely feels more like classic X-Men, but the 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 why factor of the fact that Krakoa exists and that, you know, there there is this kind of like expansion going on with Mars and some of these other things are influencing the way that other people and, and some of the other people in like the superhero community um, might interact with the X-Men. And, and I'm kind of interested to see how those things play out. And the fact that this first issue um, kind of set some of that stuff up and set up like who some of those, you know, antagonists might be and, and, and where some of those kinds of um, the stories that it seems like they're interested in telling might go. It felt like um, kind of a natural, it, it felt like an, a natural like step for, for the mutants and where they're at right now. And you know, that there, there is this old guard of characters like Cyclops and Jean and everything who, you know, have that kind of, uh, that history of of going out and playing superhero, right? And like, w- where does that fit into Krakoa? Um, and it feels like this book wants to explore that on some level. And like, the fact that like they have, you know, their their base of operations is right in in Central Park um, is something that I think is really interesting. And I'm I'm excited to see, you know, the mutants get to interact with, you know, the the broader Marvel universe a little bit more again. I think that was interesting, uh, a good choice to bring, like, like to not continue to use the mansion. But I think it also like uh, makes a statement on the mutants front that they're trying to integrate, or at the very least, that they're feeling more comfortable about themselves and being able to, uh, to be a part of this world. Because uh, you're up in Westchester, that's like you know. A, couple minutes drive away from the city all that like it's just farther away it's removed and this is right in the middle of, all, of it all and central park no less so i thought that was a cool decision also mm. how about you kill yeah i thought it was fine i thought it was fun um i didn't hate it um i can't say i was necessarily overly impressed i mean there's pepe Larraz and and marta gracia obviously um it seemed like Jerry Duggan wanted to pick at some bigger things with this, and and I appreciated that. I, I just don't know if I vibe with what he put down, to be honest. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I definitely enjoyed parts of this, but... Um... I don't, I don't know. I thought this was a little bit clunky, honestly. Um, I don't think that the team itself really gets much time to shine individually. They do their thing as a team, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't care at all about the the fight between them and this this robot and them doing the Voltron thing. This is the third time I've seen this in 
like a superhero yeah. comic in the last few years. It's so lame. It's so so lame. What? It's so lame, dude. The Justice League just did this. And that was Avengers, rad. But but we hadn't really seen it, you know. Like it was cooler that they had done it because it was the first time and stuff. But the Avengers also did this mm-hmm. very very recently. So I'm like, ah, please, like it, it's cool if like maybe you haven't seen that, but I know Jerry Duggan has seen that, you know. Like I sure. know he knows that. Um. So it just feels like an ape moment. Um, where the hell did uh, did uh, Sunfire come from? Um, you know, like this didn't this didn't explore them at all. And then it tries to set up these like threats, but who the fuck are they? Like, wh- like it it was just like so out of nowhere. And I really despise it when comic books do that. Like. Not everyone coming into this first issue knows these characters. They deliberately chose a, a team of characters that's not typical. So why would you spend more time setting up threats that don't matter in the first issue than the characters who will be with every issue, presumably? I didn't get that at all. I I oh. definitely like hear what you're saying. I think... Um... You know, I, I not that this is a defense, but I think for me, I went into it with the mentality of like, this is the first issue. It's laying a lot of threads. And I think some of those questions will likely be explored. You know, like we'll get more of the team dynamic. I think we'll get answers to like who these people are and why, you know, we should care or whatever. Um, but but that doesn't that doesn't take away from that as a as a criticism. I think just I think for me, it was. I kind of just accepted that for what it was and it being like a X-Men comic where they were doing some X-Men stuff. I was like, meh, like this, this has like a fun rhythm to it, you know, like it, it, it was light. It definitely was, but I don't know. I guess it made it feel like, like a digestible enough first issue, if not one that could have maybe, maybe like, not, like we didn't need all these threads right now, right? It didn't need to be like a, here's everything we might explore in this series. Um, and it very much took that tact, you know? Um, but I guess for it being a team book of, of you know, um, of, of the X-Men, right? Of like a book that I know wants to kind of go to some more classical kind of super heroics beats um i don't know i guess it it didn't bother me that much yeah i mean like i enjoyed the conversation a lot between cyclops and um and ben ben urich yeah i like that really i'm a fan of ben urich and i appreciate that he's the guy who's kind of on the trail of wait a second how is jumbo carnation back and that's something that they introduced in obviously in House of Powers. And, mm-hmm. you know, we know it and we're comfortable with, with that. Um, but the rest of the world doesn't. And I love that as a reminder, like, this is something that people are going to have to deal with. And yeah. that's almost on the level of them uh, terraforming Mars and making it a racco in the sense that wait, so now the mutants can never die? Like, they're just going to come back forever? That's a big deal. Um, Especially if they find out how they're doing it. So, 
I really, I really appreciated that. And I thought the treehouse was kind of cool too, putting it in Central Park, honoring, you know, the dead and, and how that ties into some of this country's um, uncomfortable history. I had never heard that before. Thanks for teaching me that, X-Men. Yeah, I thought that was that was really cool. Um, and the book looks great. I think, you know, the book looks tremendous as always. I just don't ever need to read an issue one again where they fight a generic villain as a reason for them to team up. It's yeah. just, and it's just, it's just like so tired. I definitely, I definitely, um, I think that's that's fair for sure. Um, the mech thing also, like, I didn't really get much of a pop out of that. I don't, I wasn't necessarily like um, as down on it as it sounds like you are, but I also like. She's kind of like, is that really like more powerful than all of you just doing your own thing? <laughs> that too. That was kind of my thing. Was like, it's like, ah, shoot the eye laser. It's like that's already Cyclops's power. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like we needed this. Yeah, and and it also felt like it. I don't know. Maybe I'm misremembering. I'm flipping through again, but it also felt like it didn't work all the way. Anyway. What do you mean, like the strategy? Yeah, like they still had to launch Wolverine out of it to, you know, kill the alien. So, like, why didn't they just fight it by <laughs> just themselves? Just fuck it up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, definitely a far cry, I think, from uh, some of the really hot issue ones that we've read recently. And yes. I, I do think I think this issue had a big responsibility. I, I really do. Um, and I don't think it lived up to that because there are a lot of people who don't like the Hickman era X-Men and want something more traditional. I don't think this issue served them. I don't think this issue served people who have been hot on what Hickman's been doing because it is a, a, a pivot. Um, so I feel like it, it, it tries to serve two masters and it, it fails yeah. both yep do yeah you th- do you think rob liefeld would like this issue no okay that's what we need <laughs> to know what the fuck's going on he what barely knows that, what's yeah. going on in his in his own life exactly what you were gonna say it it tries to have its cake and eat it too it feels like it's split down the middle as as to the narrative of the the issue you know cyclops and ben Yurick are trying to uh nail down the the mutant relationship with humanity now and that's fine that's what we want they want to explore that in x-men dope i'm here for that but you know the second half of the issue is the regular old beat em up where they make a zord and that just like that's not it's not that great yeah I think everyone on this creative team can do um, bigger, better stuff than that. Um, and I don't want Pepe Larraz and Marta Gracia to be, I don't want that to be what this book is. It, do, it looks like there will be more um, yeah. based on what was teased. So I'm hopeful for that, even though I don't know what the hell that alien sequence was. Like, please, like, who is this guy? Like, that looks like um, Lilo and Stitch, right? Which uh, yeah. one is the which one is Stitch. the weirdo? Stitch. 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 Yeah, that looks like the Stitch weirdo. to me. <laughs> um, and I don't know why he's in this comic book. 
I don't even know what I was really supposed to get out of that scene. But, you know, I was thinking that that was establishing uh, that the guy who they they fought this issue wasn't just like a throwaway, that he was like a representative of like a larger, you know, story that they're going to get into where they have to deal with this, you know, this this I don't know, they're sending monsters here to bet on it or whatever. I really liked the because uh, we always talk about the uh, the infographics. I really liked Ben Urich's write up. I loved that in the Daily Bugle. That was very good, um, and it was a very balanced approach to talking about what's going on with the mutants, uh, which you would expect from a character like Ben Urich. The one thing that I noticed um, that I really also enjoyed was that he doesn't mention. I'm pretty sure I'm correct about this. He doesn't mention Jumbo Carnation. No. His questions about that, because even though he knows something is going on, he doesn't want to be alarmist. And I really like that. Well, and like it very much speaks to like, I feel like uh, the kind of character he is where he's like, ah, that's not I don't have the whole story yet. Like, I'm not going to report on something until I've got to the heart of it, you know. Um, But I I loved the line where he said, like, I couldn't help. uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said he says, like, I couldn't help but think like tree houses aren't threatening. Yeah. You know, and I I really like that line. Um, because I think, you know, we've talked a lot about how, what the mutants have been doing lately is like, you know, um, is, is questionable, right? Like that, they're like that you can take some of what they've been doing as aggressive, um, you know, and, and that like, there is kind of, there is some of that kind of energy to what they're doing. Right. But like, this is, is standing in direct opposition of that. And it speaks to the fact maybe that you know the mutants um, aren't as united as as maybe they they like to think you know like I don't know it kind of hints to I think the fact that like there is this other kind of uh, like like the whole spirit of the X Men being in New York and being out there like protecting people is not a very mutants first type thing right um, I'm wondering you know kind of if if the book is going to be interested in exploring that and like is is that you know, that the work that the X-Men are going to do is going to, you know, be an opportunity for people to remember this other side of the mutants, you know, or is it going to be something that perhaps drives a wedge between them and the rest of Krakoa? Hmm. I don't know. That's an interesting uh, thing to throw out. I didn't really think about that angle. Um, the way that I I kind of took the uh, the scene in... Uh, X-Men 21 where they pick the team to be the answer to that question Mm, Uh, in that not only is it true that a lot of the mutants wanted to be a part of the X-Men but it's also true that there was a lot of pride in that in that they were doing that that's true so I feel like um, they're on board with it Um, but that doesn't have to be true. We'll see if, if that's how they ultimately feel. Um, I wanted to talk about the other infographic as well, because that one I really didn't like. The one that just says Treehouse. Um, I don't understand what these are supposed to be. Like, who wrote that? It, it, it's written in a way that has like almost like personality to it. And I'm just confused as to who that's for. Who who wrote it and who's right who are they writing it for? Maybe I'm maybe I should get over it and like stop trying to analyze that part of it. I don't know. But I feel like I'm supposed to 
And when I read stuff like this, I'm like, well, okay. So why would the person say how the tree house came to be is an interesting story. That's not very fact, like matter of fact, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then the, at the end, the X-Men hope you'll visit when you're in Manhattan. Who hopes who will visit? It, it, it looks like, uh, like one of those um, things that you put up alongside the buildings where it like explains, you know, like, oh, this is the history of whatnot. And that, that, that's, yeah. what, that's what I thought it was. And like, I think that's okay if that's what they want it to be. But I think to Sean's point, what bothers me is that sometimes they tell you what it is and sometimes yeah. it's just a document. And like, I think do one or the other. Either always tell me what it is or never tell me what it is. And if I have to infer that this is an article by Ben Urich, okay, fine, I guess. But, like, to me, it feels like come up with some reason that this exists, right? Like, say that this is uh, a press release from the, you know, the the Department of Mutant-Human Relations on Krakoa. And that's some character, right? Okay, got it. That's all we needed. Yep. And including the uh, the Ben Urich one makes sense because this is from the newspaper. So, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like I could see why they would want to include that in their in their database. I imagine these infographics being a part of a large tapestry of documents that exist in a database about the mutants during the Krakoa era. I yeah. That the mutants are 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 using it's their information base. That's how I imagine this. But Same. it doesn't always make sense why they're written how they are or what the, f- how they're even useful to anyone. So it's just confusing, but I could be nitpicking on it. It does bother me, though. Um, and then the art, we, uh, you know, I know we, we talked about, we said it looks good, but God damn, look at this. <laughs> I gotta show this page, man. Like, look at Rogue. Look at those colors, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's so crazy. And she looks so heroic and cool. And um, the colors in the background of that you know, explosion over top of her. Like they nail it perfectly. Yeah. It's perfect. The the um the page where where uh Laura gets flung to and she's like breaking out of the panels and then you have Jean at the bottom looking like she's like on the like it's an anime intro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that profile <Yep>. view. <laughs> uh it's just it's just such good work. And like I love how this stuff that I gush about in a lot of the art by this team is like the just the normal shit. It's not the big crazy stuff. Yeah. Because like I I think one of the coolest fucking things in this is the last page where it, it's the villain and it's like a it's like a dead astronaut and there's like a fucking mushroom alien growing out of its, you know, the bone holes. That's so visually fucking cool. That is like such a cool character design. I feel like the X Mech looked super whack. What? Yeah. Bro, I mean, you're just hating on it, man. No way. That thing was <laughs> rad. I thought the Justice League one was way more sick, and the Avengers cool. one was actually really cool, too. Like, this is the team, right? Like, this is the X Men, and this is X Men number one. And you're going to come at me with that minion looking shit? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I, I, I gotta say, uh, 
come on. Not that I not that I disagree. I, I don't I'm not a big defender of the mech, but I think like that's one of the most like comic book nerd ass comments that I feel like we've ever thrown out where you're just like yeah, man, this this was no good. The Justice League one, way doper. That was way cooler. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is what it is. Like, this shit looks <laughs> trash. Like, okay, so it's not even really reflective of them other than the fact that it has the X. Everything else is, like, made up of, of stuff that was around. Yeah. You know, like, it, it doesn't even look sick. It's just, uh, just gen- generic. Um, yeah, this is a pretty book. If you want to read a story about the x-men just kind of looking cool then buy this uh because the book looks cool um and as far as the story goes there's not a lot there uh most of the book is about them fighting this space thing and then there's other stuff to satiate people like us the comics pals who want a little more depth out of our x-men books these days so like I think I said, um, it it tries to serve masters and fails at both. I think that's very apt, and uh, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I'll say that. Uh, I think there's there's promise though for sure too. Yeah, there's promise. I didn't hate the issue. I'd buy every single one of these just for the just for the art. Mm-hmm. I'd buy them all just for the colors. <laughs> Let's talk about Skybound X. So. This is a celebration of the technically 11th anniversary, but we're saying 10th for the sake of, you know, consistency because of COVID and stuff. I'm sure this would have been done differently had COVID never happened, but um, this book features uh, several different stories, uh, four to be exact, four different stories by different creative teams that represent some of the cool stuff that uh, Skybound has done and will and will do uh, as we go forward. Um, so we'll talk about each individual story. I, I think that's that's the only way to do this. Sure. Um, and we'll start with uh, Rick Grimes 2000, which is the first one. This is a what I guess is an alternate path for The Walking Dead. Um, where aliens come. <laughs> yeah, I can I can give a brief uh, context here. So one second, one oh, second. Okay, yeah, Sorry, I wanted no. to, to say the creative team. It's Robert Kirkman with Ryan Otley. Um, Pete will be able to correct me, but I don't know that he's drawn The Walking Dead before. Um, and then uh, Cliff Rathburn on inks and Dave McGag on colors. Russ Wooten on letters. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of the the gang, as it were. Um, so this this story is interesting because, um, and, and I, forgive me because I might get a few of the issue numbers wrong, but effectively what happened was um, on I believe it was the cover of Walking Dead fifty. Um, Kirkman had a bunch of of creators do like guest covers. And uh, I believe it was Eric Larson's cover where it was like an alien thing. And Kirkman had kind of made it a running joke that if the book landed lasted long enough, um, it would, you know, eventually veer off the rails and, you know, it would stop being this serious grounded thing. And like he's like, I'll jump the shark and include aliens or something, I bet, you know, Um, just kind of making fun of himself. And then uh, in issue 75, um, there was a, a backup story that is effectively this story. 
Um, maybe I think this has maybe some things added to it, but it was basically the same kind of thing where it was just like Rick gets abducted by aliens or whatever, and he's like, "Oh no! Like this, this is all a, a big thing to let these aliens invade the planet. What's gonna happen?" And it was like just a goofy kind of one-off, like you know, thing that they did as like a you know, um, as a bit. And now, uh, in honor of you know the the anniversary, they're actually going to to pull on this thread and, and, you know, kind of explore it for, uh, I think it's, it's just five issues of, of Skybound X. So there'll be five little stories like this for it. But, um, yeah, so it's got some, it's got some history to it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. 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 It was. It's like it, very ridiculous, very ridiculous, Yeah, but in a good way, I think, you know, like it, it knows what it's about and what it's here to do. And it's just like, you know, let's do it. Let's jump the shark. And the the first page sets it up really, really well, where it's like small town, get it, that was the past. Zombies, okay, cool. But then it turned out people are actually the the bad guys. And then aliens in the last panel, like awesome just like progression. Uh for a second, I was like, there's no fucking way that that's the twist of The Walking Dead, because then I don't know why I'm not reading it. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a degree of it makes a little bit of sense <laughs> made a lot of sense you kidding me i'm like oh aliens coming down to put up zombies yeah okay You're like this is fucking brilliant kirk <laughs> yeah <man>. brilliant <laughs> i i had the same thought like if this was what ended up happening in the walking dead i wouldn't be mad at it like that's <laughs> that's kind of crazy like I'm, I'm into that um i do i hate to be this guy but i was really annoyed that michonne is the one that dies. Um, th- who is it that kills her? That's uh, is that it's um, the governor. Okay, the governor. Yeah, yeah. I I oh, like come on, man. Michonne's like the primary black character, and you know the black guy always dies first, and in this case, the black woman died first. Like, you know, uh, please. I, I I just like as a fan of this series too. Like I was super like as soon as he comes back, they just show Glenn dying, and I'm just like, really? Like you're really about to just make me like have these two? Like, come on! Like we can't just keep Glenn and Michonne alive. You bring back all these dead characters. Fuck these dead guys. I like Tyrese, yeah. but the rest of them, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like there's like 50 people standing around, and she's the one who dies. Like, eh, please. Um, but yeah, otherwise it was fun. Um, Ryan Otley's art is all right, actually. Like, I didn't think this was, this isn't the best I've ever seen his work, but, um, I thought the lightsaber looked super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's solid. I, I, I really want to go back to the original issue that this is based on and see if this is a recreation of that. Mm. Cause I'm wondering if it's going to look different next time if, cause it's modern work, you know? Because if, if oh. this is recreated from that original, those original bones, this is old as fuck, you know? And that would explain how this was able to to, hap- to happen because he works for Marvel. And I'm assuming he's still under an exclusive contract. I could be wrong, but... Well, the thing would be if if this entry is pulled from that, which I, I am hazily feeling like it is, um, this would be where it ended. Like, I, it didn't, like, go beyond this. It was, like, right. literally just a few pages as, like, a bit, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure there, but... Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fun to see them, them working together again. 
and you know like this is this is the kind of shit that um that Otley likes to do is like just wacky like over the top violent shit so <laughs> this was that <laughs> my man's getting to stretch his legs <laughs> uh next up we had the true story of the ultra mega and the ultra mega uh story that we got here i'll leave it to you guys uh more james heron art not gonna complain it's good stuff yeah i might complain a little really i was hoping for more um or something more poignant i guess Mm, okay like what's the story to me this felt like um it felt like a real kind of like here, like let's give you like just a taste of what this book is like so that maybe you'll go check it out. It didn't really feel like something new and additive, you know? Um, I was kind of hoping that it would, you know, maybe provide some interesting context or give us like a neat little Easter egg, something. And it, and I don't know. I just, I didn't feel like it gave me a lot to pull on. Art's great, but. Felt like yeah. it was lacking a little bit. I, I I think it could have stood to be longer. It felt like it was just trying to capture like this moment with uh, presumably, uh, I guess, his father and kids. Well, that's the main character when he was a little kid. Oh wait, did, but didn't the parents die? That's not that's not the father. Oh, yeah, that's just, not just the, like like yeah. whoever was taking uh, care. That's Seth, who I. Th- Oh, that's he's right. mentioned in Ultra Mega at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that was his older is, brother. But... The one who he's like, my remember like his brother died or whatever? Like he failed him. That was like a whole thing in the second issue, I think. Something like that, yeah. I think that's the guy. I think that's the older brother who had you know, maybe not his actual brother, but you know, was like the older brother figure who had been raising him and he got him killed because okay. he or something. Yeah. Was, yeah, he protected him or whatever. Yeah. Um it, it it was a like a, a fun little flashback situation. Like this is how visceral visceral this moment was when I was first viewing my uh, first Ultra Mega. Um, and outside of that, yeah, it was just like a, a quick scoop of whatever you'd be getting in that book. Um, more would probably been cool, or like having it be its own story that would continue on. Because um, this looks like this was just this moment, and that's it. The next one's gonna be probably some other set of pages related to something within the world i would have liked that this had been like a, a narrative that would have gone is there gonna be a next one i i think this is it is it really i thought there was uh i thought these were gonna keep going no no because skybound 2 is or sky whatever the fuck is uh two uh, number two is different stories i i think it's i think it's you get another uh rick grimes 20 whatever uh story and then three other additional minis okay okay yeah well then that's a shame because i would have liked to see more yeah it's a bummer that that's all we're getting from ultra mega here um i would have loved a little bit something a little bit meatier uh i actually kind of liked the the overall like point of that story um which was when, you know, the, the man tells his father, um, you know, he taught me the lesson I'm teaching you now. There's no one here to do our fighting for us. It's just us now, human beings. 
I really like that. Um, and it made me think, man, I really want to read this series because um, that's a cool concept. But I already read the series and I didn't get it. So you have to read oh, it again now with this new context. That'll happen. Um, <laughs> I can't believe you like this more than I did. Like, I just, just that, you know, I fuck? thought I like that, 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 that moral, I guess. Um, let's talk about the story that we got for Manifest Destiny, which is Fezron Fezroth uh, by uh, Chris Dingus, who uh, wrote it. Uh, Matthew Roberts, who did the art. Um, Pat Rousseau did letters. I've never heard of this before. I don't know if this is a new concept, if this is an old concept. Uh, um, Manifest Destiny is an older book. I think it was one of the first Skybound books. Okay. Um, I don't know much about it beyond that. Like, I know it's like a, it's like about Lewis and Clark and Sacagawea, but there's like monsters and stuff. Um, that's kind of all I know. But this was um, not what I was expecting. <laughs> it definitely had like a different energy to it like and i can't tell if this is what the book is like or if this is just a side story that is presented in like a more cartoony kind of style i have no clue this was the most random thing i've ever read <laughs> i was I confused actually, by it. i actually enjoyed it i thought it was kind of funny um but i didn't know what the hell i was looking at i really like the art like i really like the like like faux, you know, like Disney almost like old school cartoon style to it. Um, like particularly mm -hmm. where uh, there's like that moment where he like falls on that raccoon and just like explodes it. And that like <laughs> really shocked me because it yeah. had kind of lulled me into a, a, a different rhythm <laughs> than I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was interesting. It, it reminded me a lot. It felt like a Looney Tunes type of thing. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, very insane. much so. But like, but like mixed with like Happy Tree Friends, you know, where it's like that, but then it gets like super violent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is what Looney Tunes would be like if Looney Tunes wasn't made for kids. Like, yeah. This yep. was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> he like is yeah. wearing that raccoon's body and then like, oh, this is like the blood splatter all over these animals. Like it was all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I don't know that I'll ever see anything of this again, but <laughs> it, it kind of makes me want to check out the actual book and see like what it's all about. <laughs> it, it's been imagine. going for a while. It's like, has like 40 something issues. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think, like I said, I think it's one of the first skybound books, which would mean it's been going for like 10 years. And then last up, uh, we have Clementine, which is notable for the fact that it is, the first official introduction to the Clementine character in the comics. And um, I mean, it's a very simple story mm. um, that of course, Clementine, if you don't know, is a character from one of the walking dead video games, the telltale. Uh, yep. Okay. And um, you know, she's got her whole story there and then now she's being integrated here. Uh, I, I liked it. I actually thought it was quite good. Um, it's a small story. Um, but it really, you know, The Walking Dead is such like a, a hopeless place and, you know, really dark and awful stuff happens there. But here you have this story that features these two kids. I presume Clementine is, is still a younger person. She's a teenager um, now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this very emotional conversation between them. 
uh, where, you know, she has to keep moving on, but she wants to leave this boy back who sees her almost as like a, almost like a sister or even maybe a mother. She's been his caretaker uh, and it's really sad. Um, This story was, was my favorite of all of these. It was, it was a very powerful story. I thought. Yeah, same. I agree. Um, I, I played the first, uh, two seasons of the Telltale Walking Dead stuff and I, I started the third one but I don't think I ever finished it so Clem's a character who I like definitely have um, a connection to I, I really love those first two seasons especially the first one um, and yeah she's a character that like I've always really just liked you know and like I, I love the idea of like how kids who grow up grow up in like an apocalyptic scenario kind of um you know, like have to grow up fast and have to uh, uh, evolve in a way that they definitely wouldn't have um, prior, right? And like, if if you're familiar with the games, you know, in the first season, she's a little eight-year-old girl who you are playing an adult character who's taking care of her, and then she kind of takes the forefront and becomes the lead character from then on. Um, so to see her be a character that's like continued to to grow and and find um, you know new stories to to lead is is has been really cool um and you know the the telltale games were always canonically set in the world of the comic um but they would always kind of take place on the periphery you know and so it was like it never really would be in a a way where it would have to brush up with anything um so to see her now kind of come full circle and come into the actual comic universe and get to go now have her own stories and, and you know ideally explore you know corners of that world um that we haven't seen before uh, for, you know, uh, especially for like a YA audience too is, is I think there's like a lot there that's, that's um, interesting and, and presents like a real opportunity for like promise. Um, and I love the style. Like I thought Tilly Walden's art was really good. Um, and the fact that they decided to go with the grayscale to make it, you know, feel reminiscent of the original comic. Um, yeah. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I as I was reading through it, since the the credits are at the end, I'm like, this lettering looks super familiar. Is this Tilly Walden? Like, there's no way she's like not gonna. Th- this is not the kind of book that she'd be on. And then lo and behold, it was. She's an awesome cartoonist. Um, it was her uh, idea too. She pitched it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Shit. It said that in the the back matter that she she pitched it to Skybound. Yeah, this was this was really really good stuff. Um, she's out of Texas. Uh, her other books, um, I've been a big fan of hers for a little bit. Have like maybe three or four of her other ones. Um, she does really, really good work here. Um, and I think uh, Sean, you called that out. It was kind of like emotional. That's a lot of what she does in her her own work, which is uh, I think communicated here really well. Nice. And it says that uh, Clementine will return summer twenty twenty two. It doesn't. It doesn't elaborate on exactly what that's going to be. Um, it does actually say uh, in some of the back matter that I think oh, it's going it's it's a three it's going to be three graphic novels. There's like a okay. book one, a book two, and a book three, and they're going to be sold uh, to the direct book market. And they said that this is part of a new like sub imprint for Skybound, which is going to mm. um, produce uh, like YA to like you know teen uh, age literature stuff. The so. entire industry is moving, trying to get on that wave. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great way to do that, and I will definitely be buying that. Yeah, me too. Uh, and, and it's funny because I've, um, 
for a while been thinking about replaying those games, and now this has definitely got me like, yep, I gotta play one and two and finish up three and four so that I can go into the book with, uh, you know, with all the knowledge that I need. <laughs> uh, so real, real quick before we move on, thoughts on the overall package and delivery. Did you like this? Are you looking forward to the rest of the Skybound X issues? I really did like it. Yeah. Um, like we said, I, I think the, the Rick Grimes thing is fun. You know, like Walking Dead is something with like a ton of legacy um, and, you know, it, it, it as a book is very serious, but like, I appreciate that Robert Kirkman, like, isn't so precious with it that he's not willing to take the piss out of it a little bit and, you know, like have some fun with it and make fun of it a little bit. Um, because I think it, I think, I think that's going to be a fun story to follow kind of however it goes, you know? Um, cause it is just kind of a goofy, silly thing that he's doing with, you know, one of his favorite collaborators, um, or a couple of his favorite collaborators. So that I think that's that's cool. Um, I'm super excited by the the pitch for this Clementine series, and you know, I think the other vignettes, like while I don't think the Super Mega one was maybe like served that book the best as it could, like it, I was interested in checking out Manifest Destiny. So I mean, if that's what this book is going to be for the next five, is another silly like goofy deconstructional walking dead story and some elevator pitches for some books that either already like or should probably check out um that seems like a good package for them that's cool yeah this was this was fun uh i I like the anthology magazine sort of format and i think this was used to good effect uh some of the stories would have been it would have been nice if we got more we're getting more like later on um where this was continuations of narratives issue issue over issue but um if if this is the most we're getting out of like something like a clementine that that was a good emotional story that i think hit well and worked well in this format yeah yeah i i don't have any special attachments to skybound books this was fun um it's probably not something i would pick up but since we're doing it for the show i'm not upset about it i don't need more than this personally yeah mm-hmm. yeah i get that yeah um let's talk swamping uh everyone's mm-hmm. favorite swamp thing this is the swamp thing of course the, uh, swamp. the swamp thing. issue five by the way uh and i believe this was solicited as a 10 issue season one yep. so halfway uh, point halfway point um, I'm going to say this and then leave because I think that a bomb will be dropped on me. Uh, <gasps> this was the first issue of this series that I didn't like. Mm. Um, That's not that hard to take. I, I think this is the worst issue so far. Oh, oh. fuck you. Oh. <laughs> I'll th- you know what? I'll fucking take I didn't like this issue, but the worst issue so far? Get the hell out of here. All right. <laughs> I guess you're the one who has to leave. Peace. <laughs> but I mean, to me, like, I, I've done nothing but sing the praises of this book, right? So the worst issue so far in a book that I've really, really enjoyed is I'm not, wouldn't say I'm shitting on it, right? Like, you Shut uh, your mouth. Okay, whatever. Um, I I definitely I think I think part of it for me was that I I didn't um I didn't like the switch in art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did. Oh yeah, yeah, really, I really did. <laughs> okay, well that's cool. 
You're entitled uh, sorry, to that opinion. Sorry, no, that's not to. I, I'm I'm done with that for now. I just uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get you back at the end of the review. But like I, I'm just saying, I really did. Okay. Worked in spots. It was so fucking cool. Like when when Constantine looks like a monster, that was awesome. But then there were other spots where it's like, ah, oh, what's even going on? But continue, Pete. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I didn't dislike this issue, but I think that this issue. This was the first one where I felt like the rhythm of it was a little bit impenetrable. Um, I think even like the really heady stuff that that Rom's explored so far um, has usually felt like, I don't know, very, very easy to to pick up. And even if it was something where it was like very, we're going to get crazy and metaphysical, like I never felt um, lost in it. And in this issue, I remember in the beginning, um, like, feeling a little bit of dissonance coming into it off of the last issue. And, like, kind of feeling like, okay, like, like he comes back and now, you know, um, Jennifer, like, isn't aware that that was real. And I very much had the impression that she was on the same page as him. So I think that threw me a little bit and I was like, oh, okay. And then he gets pulled back in and then we have this kind of, you know, subplot with Constantine and, and how that plays into what's going on. And, and again, like it's, it's nothing that I thought was like bad or, or, or anything that I would really like take to task as much as like, it was the first time where I felt like the elevator pitch of what the issue was about and what it set out to do felt muddled for me where it felt like it was kind of trying to do a few things and maybe I struggled to keep up a little bit um and maybe I wouldn't feel that way if I go back and reread it or something like that but um I I've not had experienced that friction with this book at all until this point you know that's that's really interesting to say that because I feel like I have especially in the last couple the stuff in the green for me was very dense. And and so it's funny. I remember so you feeling that way. And yeah. I, I think I felt the inverse where for whatever reason, I vibed with that a little bit more than what we did here. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that I had a similar issue at, like I did in the first issue where this was talking more about the idea um, and with, um, was it, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the black... Uh, Oh what yeah, was his name? Like like that first spirit uh, yeah, villain yeah, yeah, that we, yeah. we come across. Oh yes. Um, and I remember expressing that like I I I get the concept, but I didn't the execution of it being around an idea rather than like some sort of physical manifestation. Um, I didn't necessarily track with me, and I think because this was a similar topic where you're dealing with the idea of something, and that's what you have to sort of fight. Uh, I was like, all right, this is the story wise. It was okay. Um, and the art John McCree, uh, this felt like a, like a nineties vertigo book, which I, I, I dug, like, I, I appreciated yeah. it for, for that style and flair. Um, I, I miss Mike Perkins. Uh, but I think that McCree adds a different flavor that was really cool to look at. And uh, like like one of these panels, uh, where is it? Where he's just like, look, there's this little kid that's looking outside, and there's just texture and like grit on on the page everywhere. Mm, I thought yeah. it was just like dirty, and I I enjoyed the the feel and uh, of it. And 
uh yeah anytime john constantine comes in like it's just gonna blow up right so that that was that was a cool moment i'm i'm wondering if and sean i don't know if you read swan the new 52 swamp thing all the way through oh yeah yeah so you know at the end where uh, the like the last issue soul tries to introduce the parliament of like ideas or stories mm. or something yeah, 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 yeah so i don't know if because this is these have been the enemies or like the, the concepts that we've been trying to struggle with um i don't know if maybe rom's toying with that parliament um to love concepts yeah <laughs> that's pretty good um and and so i wonder if that's the direction we're we're heading and that's what he's trying to get across um but it could just be you know the 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 way he likes to approach these villains well certainly there has to be well there doesn't have to be but i can see an inroad towards what you're talking about because we we know that a lot of this is stuff that the swamp thing and the green are wrestling with the ideas Mm -hmm. about humanity that are that that are bad the parts of humanity that suck why are we you know protecting and and being so involved with humans when humans do stuff like this um so i so there is some of that um i think uh, that that has that dna to it that spirit and i'm with that like that was fine i just i don't know for some reason i just couldn't find my way into the story in this issue um it felt like a filler issue because it because it didn't mm-hmm. have Mike Spicer on it, it felt like they had to deviate from the the main plot in order to. Sorry, Mike Perkins. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mike Mike Spicer is on it. Mike well, Perkins. he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great work from him, by the way. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And by the way, I'm remiss. I I need to uh, mention the whole creative team. Ram V wrote this one. Uh, John McCree is the artist here, um, filling in for uh, Mike Perkins. Mike Spicer uh, was here. And did the colors, and then Aditya Bidikar did the letters. Um, so uh, everyone here is super talented, and I think the book, um, I think it does some things that I really liked. But trying to get me to buy into the whole bomb, the 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 you know, oh, there's this bomb that's making people do bad things or whatever. I just uh, it was just a bridge too far for me. Yeah, and I don't know, like it I don't I don't know that it was quite a bridge too far for me. Like it was it was it wasn't bad. Like it felt like a fine enough story. Like it, it felt like a swamp thing story. Like it didn't feel like dissonant, but it very much did feel like a filler uh issue. It felt like a pivot for me. Um whereas like the last two issues in the green felt very focused and I'm like very invested in, in what's been going on there, you know? Um, so I think for this issue to slow things down and, and pivot and to bring in some side characters and, and explore some other things that, you know, are a little bit more removed from what we've been doing, um, I think that was probably part of why it landed a little bit less for me this time around. Um, I'm I'm really engaged in what's actively been going on in the story, um, and I don't really want it to slow down and pivot. We've only got 10 issues, you know? I want to I wanna focus on on some of those bigger picture things. Yeah, but the Suicide Squad's coming up, so you don't want to pivot. You're getting a hard pivot. That's right. Yeah, I don't know though. I I trust I trust Rom to contextualize that. Like I didn't I didn't think that Poison Ivy made sense, right? And it really did. So. Well, Poison Ivy is like a part of the green, right? Yeah. Sure. So. 
Um, but I think I agree with you that uh, Rom and and company are talented enough to work that in and mm. make it work. Although I wonder, I would, I, I know he would never answer this, or it's unlikely. But I would love to know if that was a mandate. I got that. I don't know. I I would be interested to find out. Movie's out. Yeah, the fucking John Cena guy on the last page here. There's no way. Come on. Yeah. And easy. and I think in the last issue too, who's also like the the most prominent figure. Mm. Uh, Kale, you 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 like this. You seem to be really hot on this, and I don't want us to end this segment without you telling us why. It's really connected with me. I think um, um, there's and and I think maybe maybe my attitude with this series has has been the complete opposite of of Pete and maybe Marco. Um, and just like, I really like that first set of issues with the, that other avatar and, you know, um, and then this being another concept that the green is having to deal with. Um, I think, I think it's a really interesting commentary on humanity itself. Whereas I, I think I took three and four to be more of this is where Swamp Thing is at versus, you know, and this is the argument he has to put up with. Whereas one, two, and and five here are the actual dilemma, if that makes sense. I man, if if there had been like a physical threat i guess in the way that the first couple of issues featured a more physical embodiment um mm. i would have vibed with that more probably yeah same um but we will move on to as kale said the main event of today's uh reviews we're talking about the nice house on the lake book two uh this is the hot fire comic that actually uh, was in, I don't remember its place, but it was in the top 10 for last month's sales. Um, it did mm-hmm. really well. I want to say it was number two, um, but I, I, I could be wrong about that. Um, but it did really well in any event. And uh, it features, of course, James Tinian, the, the writer of this book, uh, with Alvaro Martinez Bueno on art, um, who really is just annihilating this series and Jordi Belair. Um, Jordi Belair is tremendous as well. You don't see creative teams this good all the time. Yeah, this is crazy. The art in this is nuts. Like it has no right to be this good. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's Um, pretty tremendous work. (laughs) And, and and world design on, on letters. Um, I Okay, so first of all, I think this issue was great. Second of all, I didn't like it as much as the first one. Yeah. And part of that is due to the, oh, in my opinion, over-reliance on those text pages. Um, there were a lot of them. That, that was tough. Yeah, I don't think that you should be skipping the work of having to prune excess dialogue by doing things like this. 
you know, part of your job as a writer in comics, far be it from me to, you know, school anybody, but, um, you know, you have to say as, as, as pertinent, uh, information as you can in as little as, as dialogue as possible to save page space and to get the point across. And I think that Tinian decided, screw that. I'm just going to use these text pages to say whatever I feel like saying. And I don't know that that was even necessary. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think one of the things also that like I had to um, do was kind of like go back to remember who these people were, especially because mm-hmm. the text pages yeah. used the the comedian, scientist, like all that stuff. And I, I found that a little annoying because I'm trying to remember the characters mm-hmm. um, and I mostly remember names. And so that was difficult to kind of figure out. Yeah, the fact that every character has two names that I have to remember and keep straight is definitely something that... Um, I'm sure we'll get easier as time goes on. And something I did appreciate in this was the visual of when they were talking off screen. It had the imp, the their symbol, so you could tell who was talking. That was good. But like, mm-hmm. I I found that hard enough to follow in the first issue when they had like told me who they were and their names. And now it's like I don't I don't remember. I remember the the first girl we met was the artist. Yeah, and that's, that's it. Yeah, you have to remember their name their job and their their mark and in this issue there are several pages in which you don't see them i'm trying to connect their physical appearance i remember people's physical appearance more than their name yeah so i'm i'm trying to connect that and i can't see the characters that are talking why, I don't understand why you would do that. Like one page, maybe okay, fine. If you have something really big to get across that you just you need the you need the space, but like, nah, I'm not buying it. I don't think that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, and and not you know, like I I I really really like the art, but a, a lot of these characters look pretty similar, especially after know. the after the. Uh, the the span of time between the issues yeah Yeah. i don't like i remember i guess the artist who is the main character for the last issue because of her hoodie or whatever that's about it like i don't remember anybody else (laughs) i guess except the, the 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 trains character but specifically because of that yeah right and that's the thing is like the the p uh pianist or the piano player i don't know what he's called he's probably the pianist um i always remember it's him because he's the only blonde guy so it's like they're like it's not they don't all look so similar that i think it's hard to tell them apart but it's like when you think about how much each of them has actually talked as individuals it's not that much so i i think that that is part of it right now is like we're really not that familiar with the characters we don't really know who they are what their voices are like or any of that stuff so for there to be pages um to sean's point where there's dialogue and we can't connect their faces to them talking um i think it's like a i don't think that's a good device in comics but b i think it's way too early in this series for you to get away with that right now you know yeah especially in in such a character driven story like nothing actually happens in this issue this issue is a reaction to the last one um pretty much in every way 
It's the characters dealing with the repercussions of what they learned about the rest of the world and that it's all over. Like the world is ending and they're not affected by that. And I think that there's a lot of cool character work and drama that occurs in this book, um, but it's undercut by some, you know, what I consider to be some strange choices uh, in that in that regard. Um, but I like where the series is going. I don't often get to read comics that are so character driven, you know, at least for the first two issues here, you know, um, this is, there's no action, nothing, nothing happens. None of them are physically doing anything. There's like a lot of drinking coffee and sitting around and doing nothing. And I'm not complaining in any way about that. I think that that's perfectly fine. Um, but I think you got to be really careful considering the cast and the size of it, not to alienate the reader with too much information um, and not really diving in deeper with like allowing us to connect with these people. Yeah. We, we need to be able to use some of these issues to dig into them individually. And I feel like the, the opening scenes are sort of meant to, to ground our POV character, but I don't think that that was done in this issue. Um, and I think that he's definitely going to have to figure that out because if, if not, I'm, I'm going to get lost again in issue three when I yeah. still don't remember any of these people's names and why their relationships with each other matter. Uh, so it, it yeah, to, it's good. Um, definitely a slower pace than last issue, but I might need a little more information. I feel like it needed to be slower, though. I don't. For I don't sure. think you can follow up a book that has that kind of reveal. Um, like, like what? Like, what can they do? You know, like, the, like I think that this. I think you kind of need this issue to like get oriented a little bit because, like, I think a big part of this book is going to be this shit. You know, is going to be. Um, what Sean said is going to be people like sitting around and talking and like there's a little bit of an illusion to like what's going to come and how it can escalate right like they have that whole conversation between uh, the pianist and the doctor and he's talking about how like you know there's going to be this urge to collapse there's going to be this urge to you know escape and get away and and all these you know very human reactions to being uh, locked in a cage and um, the the thing he said, right, that I thought was interesting, he's like, you know, she says, well, what happens if they don't let us, if the others don't let us make the most of it? And he says, then honestly, I bet Walter has a plan. And, you know, prior to that, he, Walter had talked to him in his room alone and said he's going to need him with him to maintain order and everything. So I'm imagining that, you know, and obviously there's the reveal that there's like a room full of weapons and everything. So I don't know. I'm imagining that it's it's going to be a couple issues of like them trying to establish a social hierarchy and figuring out what the fuck they're going to do and like how all of them are going to react to the world being over. And like, you know, I guess either the coalescence or breakdown of that social group, you know, one of the, uh, anyone here ever watched lost? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't. So, one really good lesson that I personally learned from Lost is that when you have an ensemble cast, um, the easiest way to connect the viewer or the reader or whatever 
to those characters is through their actions because it's a lot easier to remember someone for what they did when you don't know much about them something that's that's visceral like oh this person's a doctor because they you know and i saw them say i saw them do some do a doctor thing you know like and we we get that here um and when you think about lost a lot of those characters are introduced in very basic ways the prisoner the rebel the doctor the this the that the father and you remember that even if you don't necessarily remember their name and i think comics are harder because there's no voice so um Tinian has a lot of legwork to do with that. And um, I can see this book losing people. So I really hope that he uh, takes that soon and starts to have characters doing things more to allow us to connect with them better as we move forward. I'm cool with this for now, but in one or two issues, I'm no longer going to be interested in them sitting around. So uh, I'm on board. I think this issue was phenomenal. It's still... Uh, one of the best books out. This was my pick of the week for sure, but that rope will only last for so long. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair to say. Um, I'm I'm still definitely interested in where it goes. I really like character-driven stories, um, and like you know, this being an ensemble cast that is essentially is going to just be a bunch of characters who, you know, um, bounce off each other and, and probably lose their minds. Um, I I feel like there's a lot of room for that to to develop and to, to go somewhere that's promising. Um, and I think at this point, uh, the ball is, is Tinian's to fumble. Um, because I think he did a really good job of setting things up. Um, and if, if this issue was the cool off issue before we, you know, start moving forward again and, and start kind of touching on some of the things that are, are getting threaded at the end of this issue. I feel like, I feel like we'll be okay. Um, it's just a matter of if, if he strings us along too long, yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right, Sean. Um, it's it's easy for to lose somebody on a book like this um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for our reviews here. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed them. If, we're, if there's a book you want us to review that we're not talking about, do let us know. You can write in at thecomicspouse.gmail.com or you can leave a comment wherever you're listening to this. Follow, give us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And if that happens to be YouTube, hit the subscribe button for free, like the video, share it with your friends. All that jazz is free to do and helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Make sure that you listen to our main show, which drops every single Monday, where we're talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them and the news of the industry. We do some pretty cool interviews as well. With that being said, we're the Comics Files signing off. Until next week, take care, guys. See you next week.